Welcome to the Prometheus Strength Podcast. This is your host, Zach Powell. In today's episode, I want to tackle everything and anything I can think of around training sessions and how they should be handled by the coach and the athlete. So let's get into it. Okay, first up is the warm-up, everybody's favorite discussion. So I will by no means be a novel voice on this. It won't even be a novel opinion, but uh, it has to be said just in case you're new to this. So with Olympic weightlifting, obviously we're going to be doing a lot of technical things during a training session, right? We're trying to improve our technique of the snatch and clean and jerk. So when I first got into weightlifting, it was very, very, very popular to stretch. And I think that stretching is fine. But if you were taking longer than your training session just to warm up for the training session, you are misguided. Let me step back. You are probably using too much energy towards your warm up when you could be doing other things. So bringing you back to the stretching thing. Putting a band around your knees and your back to open up your hips may not be as effective as putting a band around your knees while doing an overhead squat if you are trying to open your hips while you're squatting. The reason I bring up the overhead squat, the important piece, is that you want to be focusing on your technique while in trying to improve your mobility, while in trying to improve your warm-up. So let's just say overhead mobility is a big piece for most people coming into the sport. And it is difficult. I work with a lot of beginners where that is hard for them. Rather than doing a lot of general stretching, and I do think general, general stretching is important, but at different times, rather than doing general stretching, we can use technique to improve that. And like, let's just say overhead mobility, you can do behind the neck push press with a PVC pipe just to reinforce timing, reinforce position overhead, rather than just doing dislocations for 30 minutes to try and get into that. Now, obviously, there are layers to this. So if somebody's trying to improve their overhead squat, we can put them in a position where they can practice that overhead squat. We don't have to make it so far from what we're trying to accomplish. So that day, if, so, if we know somebody needs to really warm up before they can start snatching, why not do a lot of technical work? Or maybe even powers before you get into full snatches. So power plus three overhead squats at a light weight, maybe even just the bar just to feel it. But that way you're still getting in those repetitions while warming up. Um, you know, front squat mobility is a big one. So if somebody can't get their elbows up or if they're sliding, maybe we do, you know, clean plus some elbow rolls where we're getting that elbow under the bar on each side and just doing that over and over and over again. Like I said, this is not novel to me, but we can actually take advantage of the mobility and flexibility portions of the lift while we're working the technique. Now, where I think about it is we go is we start with the most progressive movement we can with the athlete and then work back from there. So if somebody can do a full snatch, we don't have to spend a full hour warming them up if they're ready to snatch. And this changes person to person. So how I had to warm up when I didn't have the mobility and now I do a couple knee bends and I'm okay, 
that that was a pro progressive thing. I had to get to that point. Now with my beginners and in, in many of my classes, I give them special exercises that maybe it's behind the neck, push snatch grip, push press to learn how to get the bar in that position as well as opening their shoulders before they come to my class or before we do our session. So that way we can already have that stuff warmed up. They're practicing some portion of the technique and they're ready for the more technical stuff. So it's directing our energy. That is so, so big here. Um, when does a general warm up have its place? Because it definitely does. So I was listening to a podcast with, it was on the Weightlifting House podcast with Derek Miles, and there is utility to a general warm up. So let's say you have somebody who's very far out from competition who needs a lot of variation in their, their, um, program and they don't have a lot of athletic ability yet or you're developing their athletic ability this is a good example of a youth athlete but there are beginners in weightlifting who are older who never competed in a sport before and so since the goal of that training phase is general preparedness a general warm-up is a good idea at that time but if somebody only has one to two hours a week where they can work on weightlifting and they're doing that that's when a specific warm-up is going to be a better option. So you have to decide between the two. Well, it's not a dichotomy, so you don't have to decide specifically between the two, but where you can focus your energy, you can really, if, you, if, if the purpose of your training at that time is general and you want to go through different ranges of motion, have a general dynamic warm-up. If your goal is specificity and you're trying to get specific for your training, have a specific warm-up for what you're trying to accomplish in that session. So just beginning with the warm-up, don't spend too much time on things that don't work. If you're doing a snatch day, don't warm up your front rack. And believe me, I have seen stuff like that. Um, so getting into it. So let's go into warming up your like working sets for that day. I tend to take pretty big jumps in my training, but I don't advise it for everyone. Um, but so let's say in that day I've programmed, um, you know, a snatch triple, three, you know, snatch triples at 85% or 85% of something earlier in the week. You know, I would start at the heaviest weight someone could go while still controlling the weight and it doesn't feel too light. In the beginning of my career, I would start with the bar, 40 kilos, 45 kilos, 50 kilos, 55 kilos, 60 kilos, 65 kilos, 70 kilos, 75 kilos, 80 kilos, and we'll just say that was where I was working. So I would hit every five kilo increment. Now I would I start at the bar, 70 kilos, and then basically if I go to 80% or if it's 90 kilos afterward. I think there was value in starting that way where I was doing small increments, but I would say that I probably stuck on that way too long. I was just doing a lot of reps at that time, and I, I think that's okay, but I would get tired before I got to my working weight. And I don't. I think that for the sake of volume, I was probably spending once again too much energy on the warm up and not enough energy on the the weights and 
The flip side of how I warm up now is not always advisable, but I do it for a very specific reason. Um, I want to be dialed in on every single warm-up that I do. I don't want to just treat my warm-ups as if they're nothing and just whatever I'm trying to get to something. So going from bar to 70 is actually just enough weight where I can't just fuck around. I have to actually dial it in. I have to move with precision. And it's not so heavy where it's going to like you know, feel too heavy through it. It's literally just enough for me to feel weight and then go on. And then the decision to go from 70 to 90 most likely is probably just from the plate change. But once again, that jump is enough for me to make confidently, but I feel comfortable doing it. And now with that being said, I don't just go a single at 70 and then a single at 90. I do a couple reps at 70, feel it, and then I go to 90. And I just like the simplicity of that. It has worked really well for me, but it really, you know, working with coach and athlete, deciding how you want your, your warmups working up to your working weights. And that's for the snatch. So that's, that's how I like doing that now. Well, I actually do that for the clean and jerk too. Um, you know, but it's going to be preference, you know, different gyms. If, if your coach really likes you going, you know, bar 50, 70, 90, you know, that's going to be a different style. But once again, I think it should be directed specifically for the athlete and their psychology. And that's going to be a big theme here today is the psychology of different things. I like that warm-up style because it gets me dialed in. If somebody really just likes to know that they're going to make the next thing and they like five kilo increments going up, then by all means, that's a great way to go about your lifting. But I don't think people should be put in camps. You know, they should feel what works for them. And then also, you know, uh, different phases of training. Maybe maybe you're in a low-volume phase and you want the warm-ups to count as a towards volume, you know, for practice, then do more warmups or have that prescribed. Um, but I don't think it should just be like, no, you need to make sure that every single low weight looks as perfect as you can before you're allowed up. There's going to be variations between lifts and having big jumps is not the end of the world. Um, and if you can handle it and you enjoy doing that, I don't really see anything wrong with that. So let's talk about working weights. So working weights and how the athlete should be during that time. So with working weights, however the coach program, so for me, if I do like six singles at 80% of day ones max, I want enough rest in between each rep that the athlete feels prepared that they can accomplish the next one unless specifically said so or like an EMOM or if we're trying to work on conditioning. The reason I want that rest is simply because we're in such a technical sport. I think a lot of people come from other sports and they just want to get it done. They see six reps and they just want to accomplish it. It's great but we're here to practice. We're putting in skill work and we want to feel confident doing that. Um, and I don't want the athlete to do it out of fear that they're not working hard enough. That's a big piece of it. If somebody wants to go because they feel ready, by all means, go. Who am I to say that you're not ready? But don't go because you feel like you're not working hard enough and you start freaking out. Rest is important. It's going to allow you to improve your technique much better than getting sloppier with time. Now, the working weights. This is a... Um, how shall I put it? Controversial opinion on coaching. So if you're listening to this and you're coached by me, 
just know that I mean this with the best intentions. Coaching is the best guess a person can make to improve in the future. So I don't care how good of a coach you are. It's still just a guess. And I think that that's a great thing. We can't predict the future, but we are giving our best intuition to what's happening. We can take our experiences in the past and we can work with an athlete moving forward. Coaches don't have to be perfect. So when they're approximating a lift, they are guessing that a week in advance, two weeks in advance, three weeks, maybe a month, maybe 12 weeks in advance of what they think you should be able to hit for that day. And if it's not there, that's okay. So you're warming up, you have 80% doubles on the, the program, and you miss 75% getting up there. I mean, go back to 70 and make that happen, or maybe do less reps and sets. Whatever it is that needs to be called for that day, you're going to have to work with your coach on you on that point. But I think most good weightlifting coaches understand that these are flexible programs that they understand. Now, I understand if you're getting just a program online, it can't be flexible because you're deciding what to do, how much you want to follow it. But for the most part, it's just a guess. And if you're feeling really beat up and you need to lower the weight, I'm sure most coaches would be okay with that. I know in my coaching, I want, when I'm programming how many reps and sets and what percentage we're doing that day or what intensity we're doing, it's because I have a look in my mind of how I want that athlete to accomplish it. And most of the time, most of the time, it's with a crispness. Sometimes I want a little bit of a struggle if we want to be experiencing heavier weights. But once again, if we're experiencing heavier weights or something that feels heavy and we get that at 80%, 85%, cool. We don't need to go to a one rep max or be above 90% to accomplish that task. It's about the task wanted to be accomplished rather than the number on the paper. And sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not, but beating yourself up over it is only going to make the problem worse. So understanding when to make those adjustments, not getting so excited about one direction or the other. And then on the flip side, if you're feeling great and 100% is there and it it's there for a double, take it. Why wouldn't you? Like, when are you waiting? Like, the people who say we're saving PRs for the platform, like, why? If we're six to eight weeks out from a, a, a meet and you can hit a double at your 1RM, go for it. Like, it's stupid to wait. And I just think that's, a, it's just mis, misguided. The other controversial opinion I have is testing your 1RM doesn't actually take that much out of you when you're prepared to do that. Um, for a while, I was actually testing my 1RM weekly and my lifts were progressing. I don't think they were progressing because I was testing, but I don't think it was inhibiting my lifts. Um, the, the absolute intensity of a one rep max in our sport isn't all that taxing. Like even a back squat has more weight than a heavy clean and jerk or a heavy snatch. I, I think the, you know, the idea that we shouldn't go for a heavy weight because it's not meat day or it's not test day is often misguided. And like we can hit the, the psychological, psychological benefits of going for it, making it, and then doing it in the future may help. Now, the caveat of that is we shouldn't always be going off of, you know, always how we feel so if you're excited and max wanting to max out that day that may not be an a, may not be a good excuse but if on the program it says singles 
and 90 plus, you know, there's no reason not to go for it. Or if that's explicitly stated between athlete and coach. Now, rest, going back to the rest conversation too. Um, I do not like sitting down between my sets. I'm very active. I like talking a lot of, this has really pissed off a lot of my coaches and I quite frankly am okay with that. It doesn't bother me. Like I'm not training for the Olympics and I'm not training as my profession and oftentimes it's a stress reliever i want i don't want to make this more stressful for myself i enjoy talking about weightlifting i like talking about the lifts i like the social aspect of things and quite frankly i probably attract people who are just like that um and you know i I, it used to bother me when when coaches would try to refocus me but as i've gotten older like that that's just irrelevant to me because let's be honest like we're here because we enjoy it and if we start doing things that make us not enjoy the lifting then it's just going to be a process that we don't want to go to and in most cases gym settings are social settings and unless it's keeping the coach there for a long period of time or you have to cut it to where people are in and out at a certain period of time. I get that. That's a different story where you have to lock up and you want to go home and you don't want to be there for long periods of time. But at the same time, like this isn't Soviet Russia where like where they tell you, "Oh, it should be silent. You know, people should be serious while they're training." Like who gives a fuck? We're not we're not professional athletes and even some professional athletes if they do better by socializing and having and enjoying their training, I don't see why they can't do that if that gives them energy. And on the flip side, if you like being quiet, if you like listening to your headphones and you like being silent, by all means, do that. Whatever makes the session more enjoyable to you, not what some old Soviet Russian text lied about and you feel like you need to do it, or what some fake Chinese coach said, like that the Chinese do in their training. Like the mindset should be go in to do what you enjoy doing. And I guess I just want to continue on this point. I know it's kind of a tangent here, but training is, this is our hobby. This is what we love doing. And I love the sport. It's super technical. It's something we enjoy doing. But I think a lot of people want to make it something it's not. Um, If somebody has aspirations and you're training for a meet and you want to get somebody better at being a meat lifter, by all means, Like maybe you've got some certain setting or maybe the gym that you want to cultivate is a serious gym. And by all means, keep cultivating that, that environment. But it is not wrong for people to want to enjoy the environment that they're at, to have a happy environment, to talk in between sets, because that may be their stress relief. Maybe they just like lifting and then they want to be social around it. I will get off my high horse now, but I think that an athlete can be act very differently and have the same results um, as another athlete who acts the opposite of them. And I have the same opinion in the training hall. I'm actually very talkative in between my attempts. I like keeping it really relaxed. I fucking hate when people tell me to sit down between my my attempts. Um, I, I just, I'd rather be relaxed. I'd rather not sit down and feel cooped up. You are not wasting energy by walking around or standing up. Like, 
you do that during training. You load your own bar. You've PR'd in training. So when you get to a meet, that's not much different. So go in with the mentality that you typically train with or that you thrive in and be flexible about it. Just understand that, you know, it's gonna the environment's gonna call for different things. But really, if you like being quiet, being zone, like honed in and just really you know, blocking the world out and that feels good to you, do that. If you like being excited and you think that that really makes you enjoy training and competitions more, do that. Those are big, big, big things. Um, switching between working sets. I know I just kind of hopped off one topic and onto another one, but I felt good about that. So after you've done one thing and you're going to be working on another thing that's kind of unrelated so let's just say you did power snatches and now you're about to do clean and jerks. I highly, highly, highly recommend going back down to some degree and then working your way back up because although you feel warm, just get in some technical stuff. So this is just from experience. Um, I do stupid stuff like that where I'll jump from um, power snatches and then I go into clean and jerks and I just throw you know 110 on the bar the relative difference between weights I think is probably the most important thing or one of the most important things because if you go from doing power snatches at 70 and now you throw 110 on the bar that 40 kilo difference is going to feel a lot heavier than if you went 70 90 110 um, I know before I talked about you know, taking big enough jumps. So once again, this applies, this still applies here. Take the jumps that you feel comfortable where you're dialed in, but it doesn't feel like, oh shit, this feels so heavy. Because you are changing your movement pattern slightly to where you want to feel comfortable when you get to your working weights. So that's really all I have on the transition and give yourself enough time to recover. It doesn't have to be just jump right into it. Um, order of exercises so i typically go with the biggest focus of that day first and then the less technical and then explosive work after that um, and the reason i do the most explosive work at the end is because in my opinion i think most explosive work for weightlifters should be relatively light since we are hitting heavy weights. So when I say explosive work, that might be plyometrics or jumps or med ball slams, just stuff that you can forget about, quote unquote, technique. Yes, there's technique in jumping and slams, but you can get like stuff done and then accessories after those jumps. Um, so uh, Americans are notoriously bad at jerks. So if you want to improve your jerk, and just because the jerk is the last thing that we compete in so clean then jerk you should still put jerks first some days in the week i've had a lot of success with this i've seen a lot of success with the people i've coached with this um don't always just put jerks like at the end of the day or at the end of the week sometimes you got to start there and really really put a lot of energy there and then do things outside of that also i've talked about this on the podcast before i really like um, if you have a program where you have three, four, five days in a week. I like doing some variation of the lift every single day. So let's just hypothetically say day one is your jerk day because it's your weakness. You want to get it, get that really honed in. Uh, let's just say off the rack, we're going to do a push, press, push, jerk, six sets there. 
Then we're gonna do snatch pulls to get our snatch in, and then maybe some muscle cleans at the end. That's just a hypothetical. Day two is gonna be our clean focus day. So maybe we do three cleans plus a jerk, you know, obviously getting those both in, and then we're gonna do power snatches, 80% of our two RM early, you know, last week. So that way you're getting those three things in. And then Friday, day three is going to be snatch focus day. We're gonna do three RM snatch plus, you know, maybe like jerk footwork or press and snatch then um, clean pulls, right? So you know, you're managing your fatigue, but you're hitting some technical aspect of each of those lifts. You could even do it where you're only doing those things and you're, ma you're modulating volume and intensity each time. That's my bias. I'm well, well, you know, interested if you have something um, that opposes that or if you disagree with it, I, I would love to hear from you. But you know, I think that that's how I would manage it and putting the thing that is of most important for most importance first. An idea I have, I don't know that I agree with, even if your legs are weak, that you start with back squat, simply because back squat and front squats don't have a highly technical aspect to them. And I think that even if you've done some weightlifting before it, I don't know that it takes away that much. Simply because I think to build strength, um, you don't need higher intensities in the short term. Um, it's probably not the right wording. I don't know that, like, so the squatting that you do from snatch and clean and jerk are going to aid better to the performance of the snatch and clean and jerk than just, you know, squats alone. Now that's a dichotomy. Obviously programs have those things together. So that's not a good representation of how most people think of them. But you may you may just add another day. So if you're doing three days of weightlifting and then another strength day to do back squat. But I think for the most part, most people can get away, in my opinion, all people can get away with having squats at the end of their session um, with an appropriate intensity and appropriate amount of volume to where you're not gassed at the end. And if leg strength is the part of that focus for the training cycle, you shouldn't be doing a ton of weightlifting that takes away from your from your strength building exercises. So um, I would put that behind your weightlifting stuff. Um, pulls obviously go after or before squats and then after um, all of your weightlifting stuff, the technical stuff. Then I would probably do... Um, like I said, the explosive work and then accessories after that. So any of your hypertrophy directed work, so that you're moving slower or maybe conditioning if you're trying to improve your conditioning so that it's not affecting your technical work in the beginning. I think most people do that, but I think that's, that's pretty much it. Um, but cooldowns really aren't a big thing there um, in weightlifting anymore. I think that most people don't get so worked up to where they need to like actively bring their heart rate down, or at least if you do that type of conditioning work, then um, this isn't the right podcast because I don't know that I'm giving the right advice on that type of conditioning mixed with weightlifting, but the cool down is just, I guess, take your weightlifting shoes off and walk out of the gym. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the training session... I think the biggest part of it is the psychology. I know I touched a lot on how to act during it, 
but you know, I think that that's a big piece. And, and I guess I, I want to mention the technique part of things too. And, and how you should go into each session with that in mind. Just know some days it's not there. So, you know, what you should po- put your focus on as a weightlifter is your effort into the lifts. Not so much the outcomes of those lifts. Because sometimes you put a 100% effort in and you're only getting 80% of the results you're looking for. So, maybe it's your max out day. And you, you're wanting a PR and you literally can only hit 90%. And that's okay. As long as you're putting in the effort, that's a success. Not focusing on what the outcome was. Second, not every session is do or die. That is great. If you're a, a, an elite competitor, maybe that is for you. But for most people, it's not do or die. If every session is important, then no session is important. Go in do the work, get the stimulus, come back the next day and do the same thing. Don't feel like it's the end of the world if you had a bad session and don't base all of your next previous sessions off of a really good session. Be middle of the road, just get the work in, enjoy the process. I know that sounds cliche, but do this because you love the training, not because you always feel like you have to accomplish something or you're trying to make up for bad habits in the past or whatever it is. Just come in, do the best you can that day. Don't get overly hyped. If you're taking four scoops of pre-workout every single time you come in, maybe you don't like training that much or maybe you need to adjust some things. Maybe your sleep or maybe the stress in your life. But don't feel like you need to be overly hyped every single time you come in because We're there because we love it. We want to improve on our craft. We want to get better at what we do. We don't need to make every single session the biggest deal in the world. You know, even every competition doesn't need to be the biggest deal in the world. If you're going to Worlds or the Olympics, obviously these aren't the people that I'm talking to. When you're going into your session, just focus on every single rep And just make that the best you can while still enjoying it and not overthinking it. I think that's it. Uh, I'm probably going to have to do a continuation on some some ideas that I may have missed. But uh, once again, I'm on every platform. um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. So please leave a rating and review. And I would love to hear from you guys. I'll see you next week.